0: Welcome to Marvel by the Month, the podcast that takes you through the history of Marvel Comics one month at a time. In this episode, that month is January of 1969. My name's Brian Stratton. And mine is Jamie Wenger. Rob has the week off. It is his wife, Barb's birthday. Um, Barb, uh, of course, is the singer of our theme song. Uh, so from all of us at Marvel by the Month, happy Barbth Day. Uh, good job, <laughs> Rob, uh, on having your priorities in order uh, for at least one week in a row. Uh, but uh, yeah, Jamie, you are here to do your duty as our second and a half host. Yeah, I'm pretty excited. I yeah. uh, did a lot
1: of research. I listened to a lot of music that I wouldn't otherwise have maybe indulged in and, uh, <laughs> you know, listened to the White Album about six times. So,
0: yeah, I'm feeling, feeling pretty prepped. Excellent. You're you're ready to fill Rob's enormous shoes then. Yeah. Um, well, you know, yeah. uh, well, uh, you know I, I, I hope you're ready. I hope you're prepared. We um, you got a lot. You got a lot of responsibility on your shoulders here. Yeah. Um, uh, you're going to have your work cut out for you because, you know, just between you and me, uh, one of our guests this week is, is just a notorious hard ass. <laughs> uh, he is, uh, one half of the, uh, Jordan Jesse go podcast on the maximum fun network, uh, which is one of the first and best podcasts of all time. Uh, he's also a comedy writer whose work you have seen most recently in Disney plus's Outstanding Earth to Ned. Jordan Morris, welcome back to Marvel by the Month. Hi, hey. it's great to be back.
2: and I should mention that the hard ass reputation is about my physique, not about uh, my disposition. <laughs> yes. it's actually very nice, but I am jacked.
0: Yes, I, I, you look absolutely phenomenal. Now uh, COVID times are starting to get behind us. You are back to the swimming routine. Uh yeah, no, I do. I do swim and maybe that's that's the
2: reason for my famously firm buns. <laughs> uh yeah, I have a public pool that I make it out to a couple of times a week and it's uh it's a, it's a real thrill. Shout out to the Verdugo Aquatic Facility if you're ever in Burbank and looking for a place to swim, you can do no better <laughs> than the
0: Verdugo Aquatic Facility. Excellent. We'll see if we can sign them on as a sponsor. Um uh but uh wait, we have it not like Jordan is not enough uh, to make this episode absolutely fantastic, uh, but we have a second guest joining us as well. Uh, he is the creator of the Delilah Dirk series of graphic novels, the Eisner-nominated short story Old Oak Trees. Tony Cliff, we are so glad to have you on the show this week.
3: Ah, uh, Well, hello. Thank you very much for having me. It is a pleasure to join you. Also a hard, also a hard ass, but
0: (laughs) you guys are smiling way too much to be uh, convincingly hard asses. So, um, I I think I've been misinformed. Softest asses,
2: (laughs) (laughs) just marshmallowy, pillowy, pillowy, (laughs) goose down baby duck asses.
0: We're off to a great start. Um, So. Uh, guys, the reason that you are both here this week uh, is because you have something that is being solicited in previews right now for pre orders at local comic shops across this great nation. Uh, Jordan, in 2018, you created a scripted sci fi comedy podcast, Bubble, uh, which you and Tony and and uh, your co writer, Sarah Morgan, have adapted uh, into a graphic novel. Um, so hopefully, our listeners are already familiar with Bubble, but if not, uh, Can you uh, tell us a little bit about it?
2: Uh, I Can. It is a uh, it is a, a satirical sci-fi comedy. It takes place in kind of a, a near future where everybody kind of lives in these dome cities, kind of like Logan's Run. And um, each city is kind of themed, so if you want to live with the hipsters, you go and live with the hipsters. And if you want to live with the suburbanites, you go and live with the suburbanites. Um, and everybody's kind of part of this life-or-death gig economy, and uh, there's all sorts of these uh, aliens and monsters outside the bubbles, and they're trying to get in. So, uh, you know, the gig economy workers have to download a little app and, uh, get paid a pittance to kill them. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's got a lot of, uh, uh, monsters and robots and gore and sex jokes. And, uh, yeah, it's, it was just a ton of fun to do. I'm, I'm a lifelong comics guy. So like getting, getting, getting to make it with a bunch of comics pros was, uh, was a blast.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, so, how did you and Tony wind up uh, getting connected? Uh, so yeah, so via the publisher, our publisher, mm-hmm. uh, First
2: Second, uh, the uh, the great editor Callista Brill over there was the first one to kind of uh, uh, you know float the idea that perhaps Bubble should be a graphic novel, and um, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, and we had you know a a. Four minute conversation where she asked who I think should draw it, and I said I think Tony Cliff should draw it. I'm a big Delilah Dirk fan, and then uh, two days two days later she said uh, he'd do it. So yeah, it was a very it was a short, uh, efficient process.
3: <laughs> uh, and Callista Callista was also my editor on uh, for Delilah Dirk, and I've been working with her for a decade now. Oh. So it was all just like uh, crystal prisms aligning. I don't know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's outstanding uh, And th- so the podcast is fantastic So um, I'm really really looking forward uh, To the graphic novel um, Like I said it's being solicited right now In the May edition of previews uh, Which is what your local comic shop uh, Uses to order all of their books That are coming out in the next couple months um, So do not wait uh, Contact them today Put in your pre-order for this You're not going to regret it I absolutely promise um, It's going to be fantastic And um, and, and also, I couldn't help but notice that uh, The Adventure Zone Volume 4 uh, by last week's guest, uh, Clint McElroy, uh, and his kids, uh, and Carrie Peach, uh, is being solicited on the very same page by the same publisher for the same release date. How did that work out? Uh, yeah, I can't I mean, think I of th- anything they have in common <laughs> <laughs>
2: random chance just a roll of the die um, the no yeah for a second die, they yes also, <laughs> yes, they, yes, a roll of the 20 sided die um, oh boy I am running out of Dungeons and Dragons references so, Whoa, That's, uh, we, so yeah, we can move on from those <laughs> Let's play, uh, charisma gelatinous cube help me um,
0: we rolled yes. the
3: same on initiative so
0: yes <laughs> there you go terrific uh, well Let's get back safely to comics, because I get out of my depth real quickly on the D&D stuff, too. Uh, Jordan, I know from listening to JJ Go that you are a longtime comics fan. Um, What was uh, your entry point into comics, and what did you grow up reading?
2: Uh, Yeah, I mean, you know, so comics for me started as just like something my mom would buy for me at the grocery store to make sure that I was quiet in the grocery store. Um, So, you know, it was the 80s. So there was a bunch of, like, you know, Spider-Man fighting clones and, um, you know, the Jim Lee X-Men. And uh, I even remember buying a lot of, like, maybe this was when I was a little bit older, but a lot of, like, Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat comics. Um, (laughs) Yeah. and uh yeah definitely i loved those tie ins i think marvel marvel did the marvel did the the street fighter ones at least and uh yeah and then also like you know i've been kind of thinking about this cuz we've been talking about it in interviews and i guess like mad magazine i guess i read a ton of mad and those kind of like satirical comics where you know um god i'm trying to remember what they called full house but i will always remember that they called <laughs> stephanie from full house step on me and uh Classic to me bit at the time. Fighting satire. Uh, yeah, I was I was I was pretty floored by that. So yeah, I was thinking about those kind of old, you know, funny comics and how like packed with jokes those pages are. And mm-hmm. uh and yeah, that definitely like Caught my attention. And then, yeah, when I, uh, you know, when I got into high school, I, I read your Watchmen's and Ghost Worlds and, uh, you know, all those, uh, your Dark Knight's returns and uh, kind of all those uh, <laughs> comics that a, a, a grimy punk teen would be into. And yep. uh, yeah, it's just kind of kept going. I think I took a little break in college, but then. Um, Yeah, kind of got back into it through some, like, really cool X-Men stuff that was going on at the time. So, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I've, uh, apart from some little breaks, been reading comics, uh, you know, for as long as I could read stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, It's funny you mentioned Mad Magazine. I think, like, that was also one of my entry points into comics. Uh, I have distinct memories of getting turned on to it, like, one summer just before I started going to – the the Baptist summer camp that I got sent to that year, um, and like bringing <laughs> an like issue, a hoot. <laughs> yeah, well, bringing an issue with me, and then just like looking back now, uh, realizing how absolutely lucky I was that uh, no one caught me with it because I don't think that would have gone over super well. Um,
2: I'm sure Mad Magazine is one of the main things that gets confiscated at a Baptist summer camp. (laughs) I think you're probably right, yes. They probably just have drawers and drawers of of Mads, at least at the time they did, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, they probably got a complete set. Uh, They don't know what they're sitting on there. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Uh, Tony, same question for you. Uh, What was the secret origin of your comics fandom?
3: Uh, Jeez, I don't know. There's a lot of stuff in there. I had also kind of forgotten about Mad Magazine until you just... Not like forgotten about it, you know, because mm-hmm. we all love spy versus spy and the fold ins and that sort yeah. of thing. Uh, yeah, always had always had mad magazines. Um, my, <laughs> I was also sort of thinking about this earlier. I'm like, oh, yeah, like one of the first comics I got was um, the first issue of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles um the fifth printing or something Mm -hmm. which my grandparents bought me you know before we went out for dinner or something it's like there's a bookshop there let's go check out and see what we can buy for our seven or eight year old son or whatever (laughs) yeah the first ninja turtles and i mean for your listeners who may not know um the original (laughs) ninja turtles started off a lot less family friendly than um than they are now yeah um but They did uh, not say
2: cowabunga. Uh, oh boy! I think they ate pizza. Did they always eat pizza, or was that added later for the cartoons? Yes.
3: Anyway, these are all good questions. I got it sitting around here somewhere. They were um, definitely rude dudes.
2: That that was a thriller. that's true. That's yeah. That's been a constant. <laughs> yep, yep. It was a lot
3: harder to tell who was who though in the they were black and white. So right, you yeah. can, you know, they weren't yeah. color coded. Uh, but yeah, I remember my dad getting mad at me for like, for coloring in a peanuts anthology. <laughs> um, dad had, dad had like boxes and boxes. He would save the color Sunday funnies in a box and stuff and keep those. And so I'm like, well, these are clearly valuable in a way that other <laughs> <laughs> goods are not. Um, um, and, but I didn't get into like floppy comics until, until high school. And, I skipped like straight past Marvel and DC and went mm-hmm. right to Image because that's mm-hmm. the time it was. Image was relatively new, and so you know, like I just go to my hobby shop every week and and just you know grab like Wildcats, Cyber force and all those ones. Yeah, and just like binge on those. Um, Prime, Savage Dragon. Hell
1: <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Lots of those pockets, were...
0: tiny ankles. Oh, man,
3: yeah. <laughs> those always seem like bad kid comics
1: when I was growing
0: up oh <laughs> yeah, yeah sure.
3: I was scared of those <laughs> I always wondered what the hobby shop guy the guy at the till thought of this my kid like I didn't talk to them or anything I, every time I went I went to Imperial Hobbies in Richmond, BC um, I would buy like, like I got my headphones on my Walkman I'm listening to music too loud I'm buying a copy of Angela which <laughs> I, I'm sure I appreciated for its <laughs> literary qualities um, and, um, and yeah dude oh jeez uh, this is all to say I, I'm I was really 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 looking forward to uh to this podcast as a chance to um to dip into some of that older Marvel stuff cuz listening to you guys talk about it in uh in previous episodes I'm like mm-hmm. oh yeah wow I got to man you guys you guys have a lot of passion for this and I was very excited to uh to get in there and sort of take a look at at you know what everybody had been talking about when they talk about Jack Kirby and mm-hmm. uh, all these sorts of things so
0: uh, that actually was my next question. Um, so we, we had you guys read uh, four issues of Marvel Comics that were published in January of 1969. Um, had either of you ever read these issues before or or really were you familiar with this era of comics?
2: Not at all. Yeah, certainly not these issues. And I guess I at one point had some like collected like sp- Spider Man and X Men stuff from God. I guess X Men was probably later than this, but um, mm-hmm. but yeah, and you know they kind of sold them in these big kind of black and white collections. On, oh yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Just really shitty paper that would tear <laughs> as soon as you flip the page. So yeah. I'm, I, yeah, so I've dipped into this stuff a little bit and I, you know, subscribe to a Jack Kirby Instagram feed, um, yes. which is, uh, always fun to see when you're scrolling through, but yeah, I, uh, but no, I haven't like dipped into these in any, any serious kind of way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh just from like a real, uh, high level perspective, uh, what did you think generally of uh, of the stuff you read?
3: Um, comics have come a long way.
2: <laughs> I think is is safe to say. Mm-hmm. They've really done a lot of work in the realm of show not tell. <laughs> that is maybe the area that uh, comics have improved the most in.
3: i I was thinking the exact same thing. I'm like, especially with one of them, but I'm just like the illustrations here are entirely optional.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Basically. Yep. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm picking up a tree and turning it into a missile to throw at my <laughs> opponent who is right. dodging out of the way. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah. It's way more like a radio show. Yeah, exactly. But then on the other hand, like I was surprised to see that they were all it's like 20 pages tops. Mm-hmm. Like hard yep. hard hard line, 20 pages. Like, yep. That's a that's not
0: a lot of space. No, uh, not at all. Yeah. And I mean, they were being produced under these like unforgiving, like factory-like conditions, you know, where it's just we need we have a 20-page block of content that needs to be out the door by the end of the month. And you know, that's just the way it goes. Um, so you know, if nothing else, they kind of got the assembly line uh figure it out um yeah and
3: yeah. and two of these were jack illustrated by jack kirby yes which means he was drawing 40 pages uh, at least yep. in a month in addition yep. to everything else which is which definitely explains some things but also yes. is is awesome like literally awesome
0: yeah oh and yeah it's especially a, it's that
2: thor issue some of the shit in that thor issue looks insanely cool like yes. the you know, uh, like. God Watcher characters who I never quite figured out, like just how (laughs) intricate their armor is, is awesome. So yeah, I mean, definitely there's some like visuals, especially in that Thor one that are like, still pretty mind blowing.
0: Oh, absolutely. Well, we are very much looking forward to talking with you uh, about all these comics. Uh, Before we do that, as we always do, um, we are going to provide a little historical context uh, by talking about what else was happening in January 1969 when these came out. So, uh, Jamie, would you be so good as to kick us off? Certainly. So uh, in January 2nd, 1969, Australian media baron
1: Rupert Murdoch purchased the largest selling British Sunday newspaper, The News of the World. Uh, shareholders of the news voted to accept his bid over that of British book publisher
0: Robert Maxwell. I'm sure nothing will come of that. <laughs> yeah, that's the last you'll hear of that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, on the, also on the second, uh, the first radio reading service for the blind, uh, the Minnesota Radio Talking Book Network, went on the air as a service of KSJR, the radio station at St. John's University in Collegeville, Minnesota, which began broadcasting a program called Radio Talking Book. Uh, And fun fact, in 1978, that program would change formats and be renamed Jordan Jesse Go, and it's been running ever since.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we started it out as a public service. (laughs) And you still are. You still are. We still
0: are to this day. Still serving the public.
1: Uh, On January 10th, uh, the publishers of the Saturday Evening Post announced that the weekly magazine would cease publication after almost 148 years, discontinuing after its February 8th issue sad
3: that's the magazine we all know for the Norman Rockwell covers right yeah yeah yep. absolutely yeah, mm-hmm.
0: yeah. uh on the uh, on the 12th uh, of January actually uh, 12th of 13th we have two really uh big music releases on the 12th uh the first Led Zeppelin album Led Zeppelin was released in the United States and on the 13th uh the album Yellow Submarine was released by the Beatles. Oof, so. that's tough. You just imagine
1: those two duking it out in a room together, and it's <laughs> the results are not pretty. No,
2: just like, yeah, I guess the like half of the soundtrack for all college dorms was released <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in t-
1: 48 hours in 1969. Yeah. Wild yep. uh, January 18th, the parties to the Paris peace talks came to an agreement on the shape of the conference table and the placement of the representatives who were negotiating an end to the Vietnam War. After being delayed for nearly six weeks over procedural disagreements, uh, the parties came to an accord that the two sides would be clearly separated by two rectangular tables with a round one in the middle, and that the tables would have no nameplates, no flags, and no written minutes of the understanding on the setup. And Lyndon Johnson, whose term as U.S. president would expire two days after the agreement on the tables, would later write that I regretted more than anyone could possibly know that I was leaving the White House without having achieved
0: a just, honorable, and lasting peace in Vietnam. But I think Johnson is being a little hard on himself there. I mean, he he got two days away from getting that crucial agreement on the arrangement of the tables. So, you know, <laughs> he was so close. So everyone close. says he was a do nothing president in Vietnam. But I think I think that's pretty impressive, and I think history should treat him more kindly for that. Uh, on the uh, the 18th of January, Dave Batista, perhaps best known to our listeners as Drax from the Guardians of the Galaxy, was born in Washington, D.C.
1: On January 20th, Richard Nixon was sworn in as the 37th president of the United States. Yeah. No comment. <laughs>
0: Uh, On the 22nd, uh, an assassination attempt was carried out on Leonid Brezhnev by deserter Viktor Ilyin during a motorcade in Moscow for four recently returned cosmonauts. The incident wasn't reported in the Soviet press. Western reporters only learned of it 24 hours later when a foreign ministry spokesman confirmed the rumors. One person was killed, several were injured, and Brezhnev escaped unharmed. On January
1: 27th, Patton Oswalt, who played Eric, Billy, Sam, Thurston, and Ernest Koenig in Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and is the voice of Modoc in Modoc, was born in Portsmouth, Virginia.
0: And uh, on the 28th, what was then the largest oil spill in U.S. history took place five and a half miles off the coast of Santa Barbara, California. Over the next 11 days, Union Oil's Platform A offshore rig would be responsible for releasing between 80,000 and 100,000 barrels of crude oil creating an oil slick across 800 square miles of ocean and 30 miles of beaches. Uh, The incident would inspire Wisconsin Senator Gaylord Nelson to organize the first Earth Day in 1970, which solved that problem completely. (laughs) Ouch. (laughs) Yeah. Uh,
1: This one goes out to our dearest Rob, wherever he may be. On (laughs) January 30th, the Beatles gave their last ever public performance in what is now called the Rooftop Concert setting up their instruments on the roof of the London building that served as the corporate headquarters for their recording company, Apple Corps. Lasting for 42 minutes, the impromptu concert was filmed for their 1970 film, Let It Be. Uh, And after complaints from people in nearby buildings, London police arrived and allowed them to perform one final song. Their parting words to the assembled crowd were from John Lennon, I'd like to say thank you on behalf of the group and ourselves. I hope we pass the audition. And now, Led Zeppelin. (laughs) Uh, it's crazy
2: that it's crazy that the issue of Iron Man we read was bigger news than all of that at the time.
0: I know, <laughs> wild, isn't it? Um, but uh, we'll get to that issue and so many more uh, in just a second. We're going to take a break, uh, and when we come back, we'll be talking about the comics of January 1969 right here on Marvel by the Month. <laughs> I have some incredibly disturbing news for all of you. Your podcast app is lying to you. It's telling you that this episode is only about an hour long, but it's not. There's a secret podcast feed that has a version of this episode that's got a bunch of bonus content in it. And if you're hearing this, then you're not hearing it. If you want to experience all this amazing extra content from this episode, all you have to do is go to patreon.com slash marvel by the month and support us at the $4 a month level to hear the uncut version of this episode, plus a lot of other great stuff, like our omnibus companion episodes, where we talk about all of the other issues that Marvel released each month, as well as subscriber exclusive bonus episodes. And best of all, you don't have to listen to us nag you to join the Patreon on those episodes. That alone is worth $4 a month. Each and every week, Patreon subscribers get more than an hour of content that you can't hear anywhere else. Plus, you're the first to know about upcoming announcements and events. So sign up at patreon.com slash marvelbythemonth to instantly get access to all of our past, present, and future subscriber-exclusive content. Okay. Welcome back to Marvel by the month. Um, let's go ahead uh, and jump over to, uh, what the mighty Avengers were doing this month, uh, in issue number 62. Uh, just going to say like, there's some stuff in here that we're just going to kind of glide on past. Uh, cause it's not necessarily the kind of thing that you would, uh, write into, uh, an Avengers story these days. Um, but it's, I, I will say it's just very much of its era. Um, but uh, it does have the first appearance of a character who has gone on to be a pretty major figure in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So um, I think it's worth talking about, uh, if only for that reason. Um, so uh, this issue, uh, Avengers number 62, is called The Monarch and the Man-Ape. Uh, it is written by Roy Thomas. The art is by John Busema, inked by George Klein. So, again, uh, a very quick summary of this one is, um, so in the, the last issue uh, The Avengers fought the Frost giant Ymir um, uh, And uh, so In this issue uh, they're Kind of stranded uh, where Ymir has Frozen uh, a bunch of the landscape um, They hitch a ride with the Black Panther To uh, nearby Wakanda um, Where they're immediately Attacked by Wakandan soldiers uh, Who are acting under the orders Of the person who uh, T'Challa has left in charge of Wakanda uh, Mumbaku Uh, And M'Baku insists that his men were uh, acting under a misunderstanding of his orders, Um, but uh, he's acting all sorts of sinister. Um, He winds up drugging the Avengers uh, during the celebration dinner. Uh, that he hosts that night um, So that he can challenge T'Challa for the right to rule Wakanda And M'Baku has uh, Taken on the forbidden mantle of the Man-Ape. Uh, he's wearing a white Gorilla skin um, and using superhuman Strength to battle the Panther um, So um, This is the uh, the Character that Winston Duke plays uh, in The Black Panther movie um, And uh after getting the upper hand M'Baku uh, Ties the helpless T'Challa under a Panther statue he tries to topple It over onto him but it crumbles And crushes M'Baku instead um, So That uh, is the Birth and Apparently death of M'Baku uh, uh, Very Quick one and done uh, I will say uh, You know he dies here But but he gets better so uh, we haven't Seen the last of him <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's also full of, uh, you know, the, we'll just say like mid 20th century jungle story tropes. Um, and you can kind of fill in a lot of those probably, uh, without us having to go into a lot of detail about it. But, um, yeah, it, it's the sort of thing where, uh, M'Baku, I think is, is a really great character in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, he's handled really deftly, um, and, uh, He's not running around in a giant gorilla skin, um, which helps a lot with the character, yes. I think. So
2: Yeah. Um, it really really made me appreciate like how the the fact that, that the movies like took took this character that, you know, is a little icky by, you know, modern standards and, and you know, cast Winston Duke who is great and made it mm-hmm. into like a great character that everyone loves. So yeah, that's that that's really cool. I had a new I had a newfound appreciation for like how the movies, you know, take stuff and reinterpret it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that I, I just thought it was really cool.
0: Yeah, I I think that's actually a really good point. Like um, the way the MCU has done a really good job of taking things that usually usually just kind of dumb in the comics. Right. Like it, it like this doesn't seem like this should work on a screen. You know, like I, I think the Falcon is a really good example. Like the the, the costume and the the original appearance, just it looks kind of silly Um, the character is a little silly and then he shows up in the MCU and all of a sudden, like, uh, they've, they've redesigned the armor where it's still got like it, it's got hints of the original design. Um, they kind of give him, there's, there's like a different entry point to the character. Um, and they do some really great stuff with him. Um, and then give him interesting things to do. So, You know, you go from or even like Hawkeye is another example is it's like, oh, he's just this he's he's like Robin Hood dressed in purple. Like, how are you going to do anything (laughs) interesting with this character? Mm. Um, And they find a way to do it. Um, So, yeah, it's like it's nice to see that like that trick also works when you're taking stuff that is like it's icky. You know, it's like it just doesn't age well. Um, You know, we have evolved as a society, but you can still kind of go back into it. And it's like, there's actually a core of this character that still works really well um, and really interestingly.
1: Um, well, and it also it feeds the Black Panther mythology in a really cool way because now they're, I mean, this isn't the Black Panther comic book. This is the Avengers.
2: I think, yeah, it seems like for all intents and purposes, this is just an issue of Black Panther. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the, the rest of the Avengers get uh, drugged and jailed pretty quick. Um, yep. And I, I was not complaining. I, I I thought it was cool. I kind of loved seeing all the, you know, Wakanda Kind of science stuff in action, and mm-hmm. the you know, and the Black Panther action is always really cool. Yeah, yeah. It, Vision, it,
3: it, Vision's got to be a real pain in the ass to deal with as a writer, right? Because I, admittedly, I don't know a lot about Vision, but apparently, this android is is susceptible to poisoning. <laughs> 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 and it Seems like something the, you would. He would build. Someone would build into his his system
2: is the ability to detect and neutralize. <laughs> <laughs> but, but but also oh. also though it it seems like it's maybe also the other way is that someone built a way for him to be affected by poison. <laughs> like someone's like this android is too perfect. Ah, I know <laughs> weakness yeah. to poison. And I think this this uh, this this theme actually came up in in a couple of the stories we read this week. Just don't eat anything your enemy gives you. Yeah. If your enemy's yeah, giving right, you something right. to eat don't eat it yeah
1: you had a big lunch it's fine bring yeah. a, bring a granola bar from home
0: <laughs> I, I realize we all have some social anxiety about refusing something that's offered of course, to us sure. but you know we gotta you just gotta work past that you gotta you know you gotta play the long game yeah, i would like
3: to say Busema's um figure work in here is fantastic yeah um great horses as well yeah. um and his his page compositions and and panel work is all like of the four of these that we looked at this is by far my favorite it's
0: mm-hmm.
3: and is probably the like the most modern maybe mm-hmm. yeah like uh-huh. a nice balance of being dynamic but it's also um but it's also totally readable very mm-hmm. easily readable it's also got and all four of these issues we're talking about have this the same thing of like this spacey techno greeble sort of like nonsense design of things for like (laughs) technological things like they're flying into uh great merlin the jungle floor pardon we're lowered into a mechanized wonderland and it's all just like this totally abstract um like i don't know techno city thing but it's just Mm -hmm. like you he's clearly just like going nuts on the page and and just making stuff up as he's going along and it's like like there's no sense of of, of scale or of exactly what we're looking at but it is like it is this sort of um uh it doesn't read as a city or anything but it is kind right. of like beautiful in this 60s abstract way
0: yeah yeah and that's I mean that's visual language that Jack Kirby. Created. So, mm-hmm. I mean, he, his style really is the Marvel house style. Um, I mean, Busema obviously is not Kirby. He has a, like, I think you said it perfectly Tony he has a much more modern style. I mean, Busema is still, he comes back and, and draws Avengers again in the very late eighties, early nineties. Like he's, you know, he still gets work long after a lot of writer or artists from this generation mm-hmm. have, you know, kind of moved on. But, um, but yeah, it, when you, when it comes time to like, you know, do, uh, depictions of technology or you know any sort of energy effect or anything like that that's all kirby's visual language there
1: yeah there's like a commandment that there can't just be a tube like you could never have a straight (laughs) tube it always has to be bending (laughs) dimensionally and like spiraling with a thing hang dually hang thing hanging off the edge yeah, all the all, all the
2: pages have to also work as a blacklight poster. <laughs> yes, <laughs> right, yes, right. <laughs> yeah, they do a
1: factory test before it leaves Marvel. Right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Will this be super trippy to look at? <laughs> <Blacklight>? <laughs> well, uh, speaking of of super trippy uh, and uh, blacklight postery stuff. Um, and, and talking of Kirby himself, let's take a break. Um, and when we come back, uh, we'll talk about the two issues that Jack Kirby illustrated this month. Uh, so don't go away. We'll be right back here on Marvel by the Month. OK, welcome back to Marvel by the Month. Uh, we're going to talk about Kirby. So um, Tony and and uh, Jordan. Uh, I'm not sure if we mentioned this earlier, but uh, kind of the theme of the season that we're on right now with the podcast is this is Jack Kirby's last two years at Marvel comics. Um, he is about to jump ship to DC comics um, where he's going to create um, some incredibly spacey trippy stuff with his, his fourth world, um, the new God stuff. He's going to create dark side and, and a whole bunch of other things. Um, no one really knows that yet. And Kirby hasn't actually committed to doing it yet. Um, but there's definitely a sense where he's he's kind of feeling discontent uh, at Marvel especially with like the share of credit that he's getting um for for creating a lot of the Marvel Age of Comics so you can kind of you get the sense that he's taken one last real big swing um at the two books that he's been most closely identified with which are Fantastic Four and Thor so uh let's go ahead and and jump into Fantastic Four number 85 um so the story is called Within This Tortured Land uh, It is by Stanley and Jack Kirby uh, with inks by Joe Sinnott The quick summary is uh, the Avengers are still trapped in a quaint Latverian village uh, that they entered last issue uh, They are uh, prisoners of Doctor Doom uh, it is still very much reminiscent of The Prisoner, um, which had just started airing a month or two before Jack Kirby had started working on this issue. Uh, the FF are hypnotized into being unable to use their powers. Uh, Doom surveillance and stun rays are keeping them from escaping. Uh, everyone uh, is deep powered, but Ben Graham, still a rock. Still a rock. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy. Just can't but, win. But he's a rock who thinks he's a man. So... Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh so doom uh, he's been working on building this army of 12 super robots which is what the ff is there to investigate
2: i believe at some point he calls them omni-purpose robots another <laughs> sure. great uh, little bit yeah. of <laughs>
1: it's not just one thing
0: they do no, all, they do they it do, all
2: they do killing they'll clean your pool <laughs> <laughs> no
1: windows though that, that's extra yeah it's
0: no a that's, different kind of robot so Doom, uh, he puts one of these uh, the, these uh, super robots to the test out on some uh, Latvian dissenters uh, who he, he allows them to attempt to escape um, and they wind up being completely obliterated. And then so uh, after he gives the FF another dose of hypnosis, Doom decides that he's going to put all 12 of the super robots to the test against his own people. Um, he's just going to wipe out this village Uh, With his super robots Um, And he's also, of course, going to wipe out the FF uh, When he sends them uh, after the village Uh, So he's going to kill every single bird with 12 stones Um, And then there's also a subplot in there uh, Where, like, meanwhile, back in the United States uh, Sue Richards, the invisible girl um, Is going on this bizarre home-buying trip With the world's weirdest realtor um, (laughs) Which just... (laughs) Was that a yeah, yeah what, this, what was that? <laughs> was that a flashback? What were what were we supposed to like be doing there? So no,
2: weird.
3: this is great. This is this is the story of this issue. Is the it, Fantastic Four go for a suspicious meal and Sue goes house shopping? <laughs> Pretty
0: much. <laughs> the <laughs> kids weirdest. loved it. The weirdest comic. Yes. It's Fantastic Four is a deeply strange comic. Um, and I know they're gonna try to bring it to the screen, but I, they got their work cut out for them, um, to, to really do it justice. Uh, but yes, yeah, so, so Sue, uh, so Sue Richards has just given birth to her and Reed's son, uh, Franklin. Um, and so she's back in the state. She is, she's with the baby. She's recovering from the pregnancy. She's not superheroing right now. Um, and apparently she is looking to get a house, uh, for them to live in, um, because living, you know, and the top story of a skyscraper in Manhattan that is getting attacked by, you know, negative zone monsters every other month is maybe not the best upbringing for a child. Um, but, uh, yeah, she she sees a house. Uh, the neighbors swarm her um, and the realtor is like, actually, there's this uh, there is this one property. <laughs> um, it, he, he he knows almost nothing about it. Uh, he doesn't know who built it um he doesn't know who this, he's selling it for yeah who does he who do
2: they give the money to <laughs> right. <I> don't know <laughs> you can only see the roof right listen, that, i don't you mean? know and again I, i've listen i'm a renter i've never tried to buy a house i don't know how this stuff works but yeah uh, it seems unorthodox to me these two pages are the highlight of this issue
0: oh they're they're fantastic but jordan when 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 all that bubble money comes in And you do find yourself in a position to start looking, you know, for a place of your own. If someone tries to tell you they don't know who built this house, uh, and they don't know who they're selling it for, and they don't know, and everyone is scared of it, (laughs) and everyone's scared of it, find a new realtor. Sure. Yeah.
3: I mean, on the other hand, though, if you see something that looks like a crashed spaceship. Snatch that up. And you live in Los Angeles,
2: so it's possible that you could see something that looks like that. <laughs> That's, yeah, it could be an old Fry's Electronics. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> Love to live in an old Fry's Electronics. Jeez. Yeah. Talk about a call to adventure. Be a treat.
3: Yeah. Um, and, and Sue gets this, like, great panel, like, right in the middle of the page. It's like great glamour shot. Mm-hmm. Which is just like, I feel like half the time drawing this issue was spent right there.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: Do they when when you're illustrating a comic book is it uh is it like the movies where you just you hop around and you do whatever makes sense to do next or do you do it sequentially how does that work
3: Both Yes yeah.
0: Hmm <laughs>
3: <laughs> How would they have done it or how would someone do it today I mean I yeah by both I think has it changed over time Uh tell, ask me again
1: So um would you if you were illustrating this comic book would you do it sequentially would you start from page one Mm -hmm. and do each of those panels and then go to page two or do you hop around maybe do the end first for whatever reason or the
3: splash pages first okay yeah yeah. what's that
1: process like
3: um it depends it depends i mean like that's that's anybody would come up with their own answer for that but um Mm. um Like right now, on the thing I'm working on right now, I saved the first 10 pages to do last because I know by the time um, I do the other, you know, 30 pages in this chapter or whatever, I'm going to come around to that and I'll be better. (laughs) Oh, wow. Interesting. (laughs) I'll I'll, I'll, uh, I'll know the characters better. I'll, I'll know my tools better. And that sort of thing. Like not to a degree that any sane human being would be able to notice, but <laughs> mm-hmm. definitely the the type of thing that I would be able to see. Um d- but I don't know. Like personally, I'm like I I generally short answer, se- sequentially. Start at the beginning and, and keep going. Um because it's just it's a long process. So, you know.
1: Yeah. Uh, I just cause you would think you would see like sort of a a fall off in quality or detail as an issue went on, if, if that was like you know, you're, mm. you're running up into deadlines and, you know, I just wonder if the average like panel count per page is higher in the beginning versus the end, like on average or something like that. Oh,
3: yeah. See, you should talk to somebody with a deadline. They would definitely you know, <laughs> different, <laughs> I like your style. different answers to it. And I'm uh, thinking about like bubble was pretty much from we started at the start and, you know, <laughs> went to the end. But then I knew how many pages I could do a day. And how, base, you know, roughly, and and how long it would take. So you could you can say at the beginning, okay, I'll be able to give you roughs at this point, and then uh, finished art at this point, etc., etc., etc. So,
2: mm-hmm.
3: so more or less sequentially.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think I, you know, I, you know, we kind of gave Tony's pages a once over, uh, and for the most part, it was sequential, maybe with a few exceptions. So,
3: mm-hmm. yeah, um, I mean, there was there were a few revision passes and stuff, but anyway,
2: whatever.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The uh, the method that that Kirby and Lee were working with uh, at at this point is it's really it's pretty bizarre. I don't think anyone works like this anymore. But so, you know, Stan, Stan is credited as the writer of, of the comic. But what that really meant is that at some point he and Jack probably had a conversation or Stan may have given him a paragraph of a plot description for what happens in the entire issue which Kirby then took and broke it down into panel layouts. Like he, he he determined the pacing of the the story, um, you know, page by page panel by panel um, did all the pencils and then sent the penciled pages to Stan who would then take a look at it. Occasionally he would have, Changes to make which meant that Jack Would have to go back and redraw some pages uh, And not get paid for The pages that he had to redraw Um, But then Stan would do all the dialogue From what Jack's pencil Pages were and then Those pages would get sent to Joe Sinnott who was the inker and he'd Ink the finished uh, pages so um, So that was the Marvel method Uh, And uh, Sounds like a good way to work (laughs) <laughs> yeah. It, it, I mean, it's a, it, it's a fast way to work um, when you've only got, you know, one or two guys writing every comic book that you're publishing um, in the entire line. Uh, but it did lead to a lot of hard feelings with Kirby feeling like he never got credit for writing the story um, as much because, you know, he felt like he would, you know, he would add characters and he would you know break down the pacing and, and even introduce plot elements that were never part of the initial conversation. Like famously, he created the Silver Surfer out of whole cloth like that just showed up in the issue that he handed off to Stan. Um, so that's where some of Kirby's hard feelings are coming in here.
1: Yeah, he's like writing it in pictures. Like just, yeah. just because you're not using words doesn't mean you're not conceiving uh, of
3: concepts. Mm-hmm. If he's if he's starting to feel burned out on some stuff, you can <laughs> You can definitely see it in a few panels. Like, this is one <laughs> where Dr. Doom is sort of going down in his chair, like, receding into a hole in the floor. <laughs> and he, he just looks like the most whackable sort of, like, <laughs> dummy. It's the
2: funniest.
0: <laughs> he's got, like, bugged-out eyes. Yeah, where is this? Yeah. Um, I'm looking at it, so too. Weird. It is really goofy. Yes, page six. He looks yeah, like he's pe- in a
2: sleeping bag. <laughs> 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 well.
1: Well, because I think he felt like he paid for it on the page before, because that page is crazy. That like weird donut command center
2: thing. Yeah.
3: With that techno greeble, like yeah. zigzag, gobbledygook, which is, yeah, just bonkers.
2: Yep. It. Uh, I, I will say that I, Um. the panel, so also a part of this, a lot happens in this. They really yes. milk the 20 pages. Like a lot
3: happens, but nothing happens.
2: Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> Uh, Doom is getting his portrait made, and there is oh, the yeah. first the first panel where you see Doom sitting for his portrait. Uh, and the idea is that he's going to do it without his mask, and mm-hmm. he's like holding up a hand mirror. So you never see him without his mask in the issue, but he's like holding up a hand mirror. That is is one of the most gorgeous and funniest panels of a comic you know period. <laughs> yes. it's it's great it's just like how how lush doom's palaces is, is really funny um oh, yeah, yeah I, it's a
3: full panel full page panel
2: yep it's it's pretty oh, terrific man. um and did they i this seemed really familiar to me did they did they do
0: doom gets his portrait made have they done that recently because this was such a deja vu to me it feels like a thing that must happen a lot i mean if If I was Dr. Doom, I'd be having my portrait painted pretty regularly, but
1: I can't think of a a recent example, but. Yeah, I feel like it did come up recently. Um, I feel like the run by the guy who wrote Halt and Catch Fire, I I think I think there might be something even that recent where it's uh, it's in there.
0: It's uh, it's an amazing page. Uh, And also, he's he's not wearing the armor. If you didn't if he wasn't. referring to himself as Doom, which is also <laughs> right. one of my favorite character traits, like, you know, speaking in the third person, uh, but he's not wearing the armor. He's I mean he's wearing like this Ermine robe, uh some amazing shoes. Um and and, and this Great this crazy crown. crazy Kirby crown. Yep. Yep. It's uh and yeah, just a, a big science fiction scepter. So yeah, it, and, it's and
3: from from an artist perspective, um he is just the what we would call an awful client. He's just the worst client. Yeah, he's like, paint my face, and then when the guy, when the guy's like, you're gonna like this painting of your face, he's like, how could I possibly like any painting of my face? <laughs> it's like, oh, what a,
0: yeah, yeah. victory kind of he... all over the map on this one. Yeah, and then, and then he punches the painter, um, who, who's also a, like a little old Santa Claus looking man. So yeah. you got to learn uh, how
2: to give a note. You say a couple of nice things first, and then the criticism. Exactly, <laughs> right. Too right. Lead with the criticism. Yeah, I mean,
3: it's the artist's fault. He should have wrote revisions into his contract. <laughs> no, there you go.
0: Yeah.
3: <laughs> Before we go, I do have to call out this one shot of this, like, Latvian Disney Fantasyland mm. type locale. It's just this one panel that looks like it was colored completely arbitrary, where every different plane has a different color on it. Like, when we get – um when we prep pages – Uh, There's a stage called flatting where you just sort of fill everything in with arbitrary colors just so it's easier to digitally paint. And that kind of looks like what this is. And it's (laughs) like, oh, boy, you guys. Like in one spot, the, 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 the surface of the sidewalk is white. And then the next one, it's mustard yellow and stuff. And it's just everybody's wearing gonzo colors. Also, everybody who lives in Latveria is like some shady dude wearing a hat and a trench coat. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> <laughs> or dressed like uh a world war one kaiser there's a couple of those <laughs> yeah. right uh, riding on bicycle <laughs> <laughs> yeah the Latvian fashion is uh is is unique
0: yeah well you know they're kind of cut off from the world they have to you know improvise their own thing um and the fantastic four are like just like we're trapped here well dang we better go eat at that diner
2: yeah,
3: <laughs> yeah, they're pretty calm about the whole thing.
2: Who is the? F- who, I guess I, I guess I didn't know that the female member of the Fantastic Four was oh, right.
0: Sue Storm. Who was it? Right. So it, Sue Storm is typically the fourth member, um, but because she's on maternity leave right now, this is uh, Johnny Storm's girlfriend, Crystal, uh, who is of the Inhumans. Um, so she has oh, like elemental right. powers. Right. So, right. Sure. Yep. Okay. And um, her
3: silhouette, her silhouette's got this like great, like perfect horseshoe shape around her hair and stuff yes yeah it's, what are the black things in her hair supposed to be
0: i have no idea okay. i i think it's like sort of a hairband or something but sure. it's it's another one of those just it's like one of those kirby design touches where you're like that looks great and she doesn't look like her without them yeah but i have no <laughs> idea what they are
1: that, that's persisted the whole time like that's her defining physical characteristic right or those yeah. little little hair stripes
0: yep Uh, Speaking of of Kirby touches uh, and design elements that I have no idea what they mean, um, (laughs) but they're amazing to look at. Uh, Let's jump over to Thor, our last uh, issue of this episode. This is Thor number 162. Um, The story is called Galactus is Born. Uh, Once again, by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby, uh, this time inked by Vince Coletta. Um, so I will uh, give a quick summary here. It ain't going to take long because this is what you call a, a plot light issue. <laughs> um, so, uh, Thor returns to Asgard after defeating Galactus. Um, he actually like he he got Galactus to turn tail and run, uh, which is pretty impressive in the last issue. Um, uh, Thor makes a quick stop off on Rigel uh, to return the recorder, who is a robot who records literally that's what he does. Uh, He convinces the Rigelians not to deactivate him um, because he has proved himself to be a worthy living creature Uh, and when Thor gets back to Asgard, uh, Odin warns him that the threat to Asgard that Galactus represents has not ended Uh, so they watch uh, Galactus blow up and eat another planet Um, they decide to uh, look back in time to see the first planet that Galactus destroyed so they see his origin and uh, this it's kind of hard to follow I, I, I what it what did you guys you know kind of <laughs> think of the story up till this point and and then you know the whole like uh what we see of, of Galactus uh, coming to be, were you able to follow this or was it just something that?
2: Yeah, this is as was as confusing to read as it was fun to look at. It was yeah, just (laughs) a a, a pleasure to flip through. And then at a certain point, I'm just like, you know, I'm just going to let the plot wash over me. It's clearly transitioning between two arcs, maybe. Uh, Yeah. yeah, yeah,
3: It was. Yeah. Is there a name for this type of issue where. I mean, this is just expository backstory for Galactus, right?
0: Yeah, it's a, it's an origin issue, sort of. Um, so Kirby's trying to tell this big cosmic story. Uh, again, this is like he, he's got it in his head this might be the last time he really does a big Thor story, so he wants to tell some some you know some big stories. He wants to tell the origin of Galactus, which is a character that he you know he and Stan introduced a few years ago in Fantastic Four. Um, And so there's some backstory on on how this kind of came to be and and the evolution that it it came through. So what Kirby apparently intended was that the origin of Galactus was going to be uh, that that there was this advanced civilization on a planet um, that chose one of their own to uh, go into this Incuba cell um, And launch it into orbit um, And they would just kind of like stay there um, As sort of a defense mechanism uh, And then this Alien army uh, came to Attack them um, The incubus cell opens up And it's My Galactus. incubation
3: period is ended <laughs>
0: the, Maybe the most My. legendary first words Of any major character <laughs> Um and, uh, and, and so Galactus, you know, wipes out the, he, he, he wipes out the space fleet that's invading, but he is so hungry that he has to <laughs> destroy the planet that he came from and absorb its energy. Uh, and then he has to go fly off it and, and, you know, and keep eating planets. Um, and so, you know, it's sort of one of those, like, we didn't exactly think this through. It sort of backfired on us slightly, um, hmm. But uh, but that's what Kirby intended, uh, and then apparently there were a lot of editorial <laughs> notes on this issue, and a lot of redrawing things, and Stan trying to write around some stuff that didn't quite work. But yeah, there you go. There's your your Galactus My origin
3: period is ended. <laughs> it's just in combo with this panel of drawing of Galactus
2: just with his arms wide, <laughs> just so good I'm just gonna say that every time I wake up
0: I'll just a little <laughs> stretch, <laughs> open the yeah. blinds <laughs> my incubation period has ended
2: yeah um, so oh, uh,
0: so Jordan you mentioned uh, earlier uh, that you know this is something we just sort of let the plot wash over you and that it was as hard to follow as it was fun to look at um, what were some of the, the big visuals uh, in this one that, uh, that really jumped out at you
3: well, and keep this, in mind there's a specific name for the best one Oh, oh right. okay. I was yeah.
0: gonna. So, I guess
2: I wanted to bring up. So, I guess just like the second or third page is Thor and the recorder flying across what appears to be a, a collage of photorealistic spaceships.
3: Yep. But Jordan um, what that is is another double page Kirby space arama <gasps> <laughs> such as thine merely mortal eyes have never before beheld
2: that's right yes that's it's a little
3: so good
2: <laughs> yeah. this
3: that that double page spread is worth the price of admission by itself yeah it's pretty crazy God, can you imagine if like be, like seeing this at the time like what would that even have been like oh yeah sorry okay
2: yeah it seems like the the you know the stan lee captions are very flattering to kirby do they know that he's gonna (laughs) quit and they're like ah, boy we better write in some stuff about how great he is
0: stan was uh definitely going out of his way in the last year or so to mention and uh and praise kirby really highly and and you know uh give him a lot of credit for his contributions. Um, I think it was no secret to him that, that, uh, well, first of all, that Kirby was not feeling appreciated. And second of all, that Kirby was so influential in the creation of, uh, Marvel comics, uh, at this point that they didn't have a plan for what to do if Kirby left basically. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, he's definitely trying to, to make sure that Kirby knows that he's, you know, He's getting his credit now um, but he's not getting his money um, which is that's the problem.
3: <laughs> one is as good as the other
2: <laughs> <laughs> Why the, the
3: artist paint, the artist painting dr. Doom's portrait knows that. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: Um yeah yeah and there's definitely like you know obviously like one of the main Kirby things that he draws are like godlike observer characters there's there's a lot of those in his portfolio and uh you know th- there's a lot of them it's hard to keep them straight but every time there's a you know close up of one of those dudes they're always wearing just the coolest fucking armor you've ever seen. And Mm -hmm. they have a giant (laughs) beard that blends into their armor. And yeah, I don't know. Just those, those types of drawings are just like, yeah, it's like, it's about as cool as it gets.
0: Oh yeah. The desiccated ancient city on page 15, another full page splash. There's like six full page splashes in this issue. Like Kirby's just taken full advantage of, of all the real estates. That page looks very different from the rest of it. Right.
3: Yeah, the, mm. I was going to say the interesting thing about that one is the drawing style is much looser and mm-hmm. and like, I don't know, almost it almost you would guess maybe that it's ad libbed as mm. you going along. But like, um, yeah, it, it, it does not feel consistent with the rest of it. Yeah, yeah, it feels like organic and a little bit. I don't know if anyone
1: out there it's in the world sketchy. besides me listened to uh, or read the 2099 stuff like what Marvel put out in the 90s. This is how all oh, the tech looks. Oh,
2: sure. Look. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Do you yeah. really? Oh, I wow. do. There's <laughs> a <Which is> Spider-Man <laughs> yeah. 2099, right? Mm-hmm. Hell yeah.
3: This is all giving me very big, uh, uh, what do you call it, Transformers, Unicron
0: mm, vibes. Right. Very much. Yep. Which, uh, Jordan, you were talking about uh, Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat being your Marvel entry point. I'm I'm a couple years older than you, and Transformers was definitely how I got suckered into reading Marvel oh, comics. Oh, yeah. So, sure. Yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah, I had
3: tons. that. Hey, can I ask a question? There's a guy in here named Torger. Is that supposed to be a likeness of somebody? Because it really looks like it is trying to be.
0: Torger. Which yeah, one? Yeah, he's is the
3: guy that? in the sort of like blue robes with or the, the Rigel guy.
0: Oh, yeah, with the pointy hood.
3: Yeah. Oh, oh.
1: Sorry.
0: Hmm. Not just... Yeah,
1: his like, face is a like little more supposed detailed
2: to be than the other ones.
0: Yeah, the cosmic counselor to the realm course (laughs) huh yep (laughs) you know from all the Thor movies um I honestly I you know now that like now that you point him out he does seem to be someone specific but I I can't place him um also I don't know that this character ever shows up again you know Kirby's also he's he's legendary for just introducing these incredibly distinctive looking characters and then they just never pop Yet up another again. Another
2: classic Kirby mystery caricature.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> where did they come from? Where did they go? No one knows.
0: True believers. Yeah. So, so we've we've sort of seen how Galactus got his start here, um, and then uh, at the very end of the issue, uh, we find out that there's trouble brewing on Earth, uh, and so um, Thor, he, he's like, "All right, well, that's where I'm headed next." Um, and so we'll find out what that's all about next issue. True believer,
3: man. it Seems like this ability to peer through time should come in handy more often.
0: Yeah, yeah, you would think, or more consistently at least. Um, <laughs> like Thor could have asked them, "Hey, can
3: you just like look a little bit, look a little bit of the future, see what's going on in Earth, whether or not I really need to fly all that way?" <laughs> be super ha- helpful is there traffic on the on route? Yeah. (laughs) is there some place to stop to eat on the way.
0: Yeah. He just loves flying through space. Who can blame him? (laughs) Uh, guys, thank you so much for, for joining us, uh, for this episode. Um, the last thing that we do, um, is just make some quick recommendations, uh, for some things for our listeners to check out that are, uh, not the Marvel comics of January, 1969. Um, I've, uh, Got something to lead off with here, um, and I don't know if either of you have checked it out, but uh, I definitely recommend uh, giving it a look if you get a chance. But um, uh, the book is Monsters by Barry Windsor Smith. This came out just a couple weeks ago. Um, I have read a ton of comics in my life. Um, this, I think, could make a legitimate claim to being among the very best that I have read. Um, uh, I started reading it about a week ago. Um, it has been haunting me ever since um it it started out as a hulk story uh that barry windsor smith pitched to marvel he actually wrote and drew a complete version of it um uh, and he insists that it would wind up being published with no changes whatsoever which apparently looked like it was going to happen and then it didn't for whatever reason and then things get really complicated um the some elements of the story wound up um in an incredible hulk issue uh that was written by bill mantlow and windsor smith has always insisted that was stolen from him anyway uh he's been working on this thing for 30 years uh and it is just a masterpiece it's it's a magnum opus from an elite level talent um it manages to live up to all the way to the expectations it's like if guns and roses had put out chinese democracy and instead of sucking, it turned out to be, like, the next Abbey Road. Like, it's really, really good. Um, so, yeah, I, I highly recommend it. Uh, how is that being released? Uh, it's a hardcover through Fantagraphics.
3: Oh, so just, like, a single thing?
0: Yep, one graphic novel. Okay. Yep.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, Jamie, you got anything to recommend this week?
3: Yeah, 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 definitely.
1: Um, I don't think that I brought this up yet, but... Uh, I, uh, so my wife has a podcast, uh, true crime. Uh, it's about, uh, it's called Result a true Mysteries. crime podcast. You <laughs> yeah. It's shocking. <laughs> um, so, and it's that, uh, true crime is not my genre. Obviously I have my full of comics. Um, but I'm trying to like dip my toe into her world a little bit. So I figured that's, nice. where... that's,
2: really, su- that's really supportive. <laughs>
1: you know, every three or four years I try and <laughs> do something nice. <laughs> um, but uh, so I, I was trying to figure out where our interests overlap a little bit, and I was I thought about Chelsea Kane, who has these uh, murder like murder mystery books. Was all I kind of knew about them. So I picked up Chelsea Kane's uh, f- the first book in a series called Heartsick, uh, and I read it in about a day and a half, and then uh, ordered the next two, and I consumed the first three books in this series in less than seven days. I could not put them down. They were so fun. It's if you like Chelsea Kane, it's like just sweet spot her being awesome and clever and funny with a compelling story um and if you like don't like chelsea kane i feel like you would still enjoy them because it it's just crossing genres in really nice ways and i just like i said it, it blew me away and i cannot wait to read the rest of them
0: nice uh Jordan, do you have anything uh, to recommend that our listeners should check out? Uh yeah, I recently
2: read a graphic novel called Fangs by Sarah Anderson, uh, and it was great. It is uh, it it's it's a comedy. It's kind of a, it's about a werewolf and a vampire who meet in a bar and uh hook up and then proceed to ha- have a relationship and it is uh yeah, it's really funny. It's almost kind of like a series of comedy sketches, one and two page comedy sketches. Um, but yeah, but when you kind of read it as a whole you know it's 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 it kind of paints the picture um, uh, uh, of, of a relationship that's made up of moments Is't that just what a relationship is but a series of tiny moments that uh, become meaningful when you look at them as a whole unit anyway uh, yeah it's 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 really funny it's a it's a quick read it's a really nice looking book. Um, so yeah, it'll look cool on a shelf. Um, Yeah, it's called Fangs. The author is Sarah Anderson, and I I, I couldn't recommend it highly, highlyer. Excellent. <laughs> More uh, highly is probably what I should have said. But <laughs> eh, you know Stanley
3: would have said highlyer. Highlier, highlier. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> true believers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You,
0: you're a you're a writer. You got to make the language your own. You got to put true. your own stamp on it. Yeah, I okay. think at uh, some
2: point during that Fantastic Four, they say uh, when they're like. Depowering the Fantastic Four, they say they're becoming more depowered. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. It's like, all right, I, just, I don't know if that's no, the best geez. way to say that, but <laughs> yeah, I get it. I guess, I guess it's it, I it's know. translated
1: <laughs> from Latvian, <laughs> so it's right. a whole, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the yeah. conjugations murder.
0: Uh, and uh, Tony, what do you got uh, for recommendation? <laughs> Who you know, you springing
3: this on me. I'm gonna su- I'm gonna suggest <laughs> a little bit, um, yeah, you know, a little bit out of order here. Um, if you would like to do some excellent deep dives on uh, classic illustration for comics, um, have you ever talked before about Jesse Ham and the writing that he's done on Alex Toth? Toth, no, Toth, Toth, mm-hmm. Toth. Um, so Jesse Ham is has been a fantastic illustrator, and um, he's also an amazing educator. Um, and he's put together several essays, sort of like just doing like real nitty gritty, thoughtful looks at Alex Toth's um, old illustrations. Um, I'm looking at it on Gumroad right now. It's a 106 page PDF. Um, his, his writing, like I said, is always super thoughtful. Um, there's a lot to learn from here if you are an artist or an aspiring artist. Um, and yeah, it's on gum road. If I'm sure if you search for, uh, Jesse ham with two Ms and Alex Toth, it will send you to the right place. Um, uh, but yeah, go grab that. I would recommend it. I could not recommend it highly enough.
0: Fantastic. I'm a huge Toth fan, uh, really late to the game, but then uh, picked up a few volumes of his stuff. And then there's a, a collection of stuff he did for creepy. Uh, and I looked through it and it's like, it seemed like every story was illustrated by a different artist. Um, hmm, and they were mm-hmm. all brilliant. It's, it's an amazing talent.
3: Yeah, so. me too. And, and mostly because of, of Jesse Hamm's like introducing me to this. Yeah. Thing, so
0: very cool. Very cool. Well, uh, Jordan, Tony, thank you so much. Uh, once again for joining us, uh, for this episode. um, Bubble is uh, being solicited right now in previews. Contact your local comic book store. Um, get yourself a copy of it. Get yourself two copies of it. It's going to be a great gift. All the kids are going to want one. Um, oh, do do you guys, not, do, yes, don't give it to kids. kids. Do, oh, do not give it to, give it to kids. kids. There's lots of swearing. All the lots of dick jokes. Kids 18 and up uh, yeah. will love this. Um, but uh, yeah, anything else uh, individually or collective that you would like us to uh, mention to our listeners?
2: Uh no, that's great. You you, it's such a lovely place to plug on because uh, uh your uh your listeners know what previews is. Uh, <laughs> they I can't imagine they don't have a relationship with their local comic book store. So uh, yeah, you've uh, you've you've done all the legwork. This was we just sit sit back and sit back and
3: relax. Also worth mentioning, if you are a listener and you don't feel like, you know, dropping the money on a brand new graphic novel, um, ask your library to bring it in.
2: Yes. Um, Mm -hmm.
3: This is also beneficial to us. I I mean, it's beneficial
2: to us. It's beneficial to you. It's beneficial to the library. To your community (laughs) who can discover (laughs) Bubble while they're browsing the stacks
0: yeah absolutely and and if you're on the fence about it seriously just listen to the first episode of the podcast it's brilliant um i hope you got uh mike mitchell's likeness rights uh for the <laughs> the graphic novel um but uh no it, it's uh, it, it's such a fun story and it goes in directions you would not expect um and uh I, I thoroughly enjoyed it
2: oh thank you thank you well, thank yeah you very much yeah we're excited about the book nothing could have been more fun yeah and oh, well, yeah before before we go we should uh, we should maybe shout out our great colorist uh, Natalie Reese while we're talking about oh, the yes. kind of trippy spacescapes of Kirby um yeah she really <laughs> she really did a great job with uh, these kind of like psychedelic uh black light poster type colors and all the alien worlds that make them look super cool so uh so yeah I think if you're if you're if you're into these uh wacky space space scapes you'll uh, you'll uh, you'll love what tony and natalie did with uh, some of those environments they are really cool
0: fantastic
3: yeah, natalie also makes a um traditional and web comic called dungeon critters which is uh, similarly gorgeous um
0: check it out very cool well uh thanks guys uh, and thanks also to our patreon subscribers uh they get access to extended cuts of our regular episodes like this very episode they also get full bonus episodes and our omnibus supplementary episodes that cover just about every Marvel comic put out every month. Um, it's a labor of love. We really like talking about comics. Um, uh, you can subscribe for the fantastic price of four bucks a month, patreon.com/slash Marvel by the month. We also are still collecting Apple Podcast reviews or reviews on any podcast service that lets you review a podcast. Um, you can get some free stuff in the mail if you send us a screenshot of your five-star review to marvelbythemonth.gmail marvelbythemonth.gmail.com also include your mailing address Uh, that is a thing that I keep forgetting to tell people but it's hard to put something in the mail if I don't know where I'm sending it Uh, marvelbythemonth.com has links to our other social channels as well as our shop That's all for now. So, for Marvel by the Month, my name is Brian Stratton. I'm Jamie Wenger. Stay safe, stay healthy, and stay inside at Read Comics.